Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Amen, amen, amen. Well, again, if you're just joining us, I want to say happy Father's Day. For those that are online, those of you that are here, and I hope you have an awesome day today. Today, I want to talk about the kind of fathers and men the kind of fathers and men that our nation needs, the kind of fathers and men that our nation needs. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to Joshua chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 6 to 14. So again, I want to say I'm so grateful for all the men that are here in this room, for all the the men that are here worshiping with us today, and I'm grateful for my own dad. I'm also grateful for the spiritual fathers and the grandfathers that are here in this body. Uh, I just We're just blessed with a bunch of really good guys wonderful men and fathers in our in our place. And also, I want to say for those of you that are online, uh, I'm grateful for you, and may you feel blessed, and may you feel just celebrated, well celebrated today. I'm also, as I mentioned in the prayer, I'm praying for healing for the fatherless or for those that have broken uh, or bad fathers. You know, uh, there's a song that was sung years ago, uh, and, and it was in a prophetic way at one of the IHOP conferences And the prophetic song said, I'm not like your father. I'm a better father than that. And I'm so glad for my kids' sake that my God is a better father than me. Amen? And so we have a great father who can help the broken. He can help those. And and even all of us, we know that our first formation is really critical as we're spending time growing up in families. And even if you had perfect parents... Kids don't turn out perfectly, right? God had that experience in the Garden of Eden. He had a perfect place, and he's a perfect father, and yet kids don't always turn out. And and the truth is, I'm not a perfect dad, and we're not perfect parents, and so there's stuff our kids have to work through, both even if they were blessed to have perfect parents or not, there's stuff that we have to work through and we have to work on. And so um, we have much to learn from our fathers, and we have much to unlearn. There's things to unlearn and things that we need to work through in terms of healing. And I'm glad that the Lord showed up this morning to minister healing to some of our hearts and to touch us as we're doing that. And, and I believe that each of us has to work on building. We have to build the kind of life with the Lord's help that God wants us to have, no matter what kind of person our, heaven, our earthly father was, to us and how they helped us or they didn't help us. And so the truth is, all of us, there are parts of our first formation that we have to deconstruct, and uh, those just don't work for us anymore as adults. Uh, We self-protected, we made vows or strongholds, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6 talks about. And so there's things that we need to, to leave behind because they just don't work for us now as adults. There's things that need to be disempowered, vows, Again, strongholds that need to be renounced, turned from, and we need to take on the, the prayer and the positive declarations that God has for us, the guiding principles He wants us to live by. So we need to develop new skills for showing up as the people that God wants us to be in this hour. Um, they, a lot of people say, why do you want to deal with the past? Didn't, didn't Paul in, first, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 say, I forget the past, I forget what lies behind, and I press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And my answer to that is, you only deal with the past if it's showing up in the present. And for a lot of us, our past is still showing up in the present with uh, 
unconscious or autopilot responses or vows or there's different things that we get triggered and we don't even know that we need healing and we need God to touch our heart. So we need new skills and then we need to learn how to take responsibility for our own lives and to live as God intends us to live no matter what kind of parents we had. So the good news, I've, I've been around people that um, they have been so transformed that their first formation now doesn't define them. That's not who they are. And then others had such a strong first formation to build on that they're still building on that with the grace of the Lord. So again, Father, we want to thank you that you're a good dad, and we want to thank you that you're working our lives. And this morning, as we spend time in your word, I pray that you'll raise up the kind of fathers and men that this nation needs in this critical hour. Lord, I thank you that we're alive for such a time as this. And Lord, we thank you that you're going to speak to us and you're going to move in our hearts and our lives and you're going to reveal to us your ways. And we pray this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So today what we're going to do is we're going to consider the example of Caleb, one of the original 12 spies of the people of Israel that went into the promised land. And this was prior to the wilderness wanderings, and you can read about that in Numbers 13 to 14. For 40 days, the 12 spies go into the land, and they check out the land of promise that God has given to them, but only two brought back a positive report. The other 10, they brought back anxiety and fear and actually passed that on, and the children of Israel said, we're not going to go into this place because it's too hard, it's too difficult. But Caleb's commitment to the Lord never diminished. It never ceased. He lived for the Lord, and his desire was to serve God, and that never faltered throughout his life. And in Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 to 14, we're going to pick up the report in the latter years of Caleb's life, and we're going we're gonna to see how his commitment and his desire, it, it's actually presenting to you and to me, men, a challenge and an invitation. It's presenting a challenge and an invitation. God wants us to recognize the gifts that he's put, uh, the things he built into Caleb, and he's wanting some people to arise. And by the way, ladies, some of these principles, some of these, these characteristics of Caleb's life should also be a part of your life. And so I pray wherever you are today that you'll listen to God and that he'll be speaking to you and that you'll pay attention to what he has to say. And uh, so let's read again or let's read first, Joshua chapter 14, beginning in verse 6. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephthunah, the Kenizzite, and said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked, you will, it will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time that he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old, and I am still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. And I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. 
Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised to me that day. You yourself heard that when the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and he gave him Hebron as his inheritance. And so Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. This is a powerful testimony and reputation. This is a powerful reality that God holds up in Scripture for us. The Bible tells us that the Scriptures were written for our encouragement. They were written to help, help stir up our heart and our faith of what God can do with any of us with Him helping us. And so what we need, first of all, in this hour, the kind of men, the kind of fathers that we need in our nation is we need men of character. Look back at verse 6. Men of Judah, they approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and about me. Again, we're familiar with the story of the spies. Of the 12 spies, only Joshua and Caleb had the spirit of faith. They had had something different that said, we can trust God. He promised us this land, and it is ours. And they alone desired to possess that land. However, the vote of the people was disobedience, and it cost them 40 years. So Caleb and Joshua were standing there on the brink of possessing the land, and the people made a decision. And so it it, it cost them 40 years. And then Caleb has been fighting with the people for five years for the initial possession of the land that God had promised to them. And so now we're here 45 years later, and his character, according to Numbers 14, 24, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land, and he and his descendants will inherit that. So God recognized this is a man of character. This is a man of faithfulness. This is a man of faith. And so God recognized him, and, 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 and he blessed him. And it's here in the Scriptures to point to us that when we walk with God, and when we walk with him, he can form our nature and our character in such a way that it's a shining light. And it, it's an example. It wasn't, it, it wasn't what he wanted 45 years before. It didn't make the difference, but now here he is, and he says, man, I get to possess what really belonged to me, and I've never stopped being faithful to my God. And so we need men of character in our day with the same kind of reputation of faithfulness and faith in God. They're faithful to God, and they believe and have faith in God. So we need, we need men of character. We need men of commitment. And in verse 7, it says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of Joshua, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And then verse 10, now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved in the desert. So here I am today at 85 years old. So he's endured the wanderings in the desert. He's endured the battles. He's endured the times when God was actually changing the generation. But he promised him that he would not be a part of those that died in the wilderness, but he would be a part of those that would possess his inheritance. And the truth is, it would have been easy for Caleb to give up. It would have been easy for Caleb to throw in the towel and, and man, 
decades, four and a half decades passed before he got to lay claim to the land that belonged to him. And so this is a kind of commitment that I think we need. We need men, we need fathers of a long-term commitment, guys that'll stick it out. When they make those marriage vows, they'll say, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, I'm in this thing, or I'm in this situation, or I'm gonna be a part of what God is doing. We've seen too many people flame out and burn out and drop out and break down Caleb was a guy who said, 85 years old, isn't that a great testimony? 85, he said, I'm just as young at heart. I'm just as good to go as I was back then. Let me have my mountain. Guys, I pray you'll be here till you're 185 and you'll say, man, I got my, I'm gonna get this thing. I'm gonna do what it takes. This business of just going into retirement and just sitting on the sidelines and saying, I've done my bit for God and country. I pray that that bug never bites you. I pray you'll rebuke that thing and you'll serve all the days that God has called you to be. Now, it might not be in your current job, you might have some other things. And then there's the second career people. You've stepped out of one business or one assignment, and now you're, you're wanting to know what God wants you to do for the second half or the third half or the fourth half of your life. Whatever it is, just don't quit. Men of character, men of commitment who will stay in there. So I pray we'll have men who are made committed to the Lord in these difficult days. They'll not be defeated by the burdens of life or even the discouragement of others. He said, now Joshua, remember what we said and all those other, those other, whatever name he used for them, he said, they, they, were, they, they chose a lack of courage. They chose unbelief, but not me and you. And so he didn't let that disappoint him. He didn't remove him from his appointment. He didn't let it ruin his life with discouragement. So we need men who keep their eyes on the prize and remain faithful to the Lord and the responsibilities which he has given. And again, I want to rebuke that spirit that says, I've done my bit for God and country. I need the young people to step up and serve. Caleb, can you imagine him saying that? all these young people that are there and now the new generations have raised up. Caleb said, I'm gonna to continue to be the spiritual father, the, the, the earthly father, grandfather, great, ever how many kids he's got. He said, I'm gonna be a part of this thing. I pray we'll have that same commitment and it'll never die, never wane. Then we need men of courage. We need men of courage. Joshua 14, eight, my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. Again, Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit. You know, I think that's something about Calvary is that God has brought up a group of people here that have a different spirit that said, we're gonna go on with God and we're not quitting and we're not stopping short. We're gonna continue to follow the Lord. And anxiety is contagious. Like our culture, that principality of fear that came on during COVID and it's just, it's just continuing to rule. Anxiety and fear are contagious things. But I want you to know faith is contagious. And, and wholeheartedness is contagious. And character is contagious. And so I pray that we'll carry a different kind of virus and that we'll infect people's hearts. We'll infect their hearts with courage. It's actually easy to look at circumstances and lose our courage. And the truth is, life is not always easy. Even for a Christian, life is not always easy. We're gonna face some battles, but I want us to continue in the fight with the Lord helping us. So we need men who will choose to access 
their courage. They're, they were created in the image of God, and with the Spirit helping, I pray that we'll choose courage even if we stand alone. I mean, they stood alone. They stood against others. It reminds me, back several decades ago, I had the privilege of being on a jury, and when I was in that jury, it was a civil jury, and it was an interesting thing to be a part of a jury in the Back then, uh, when this case came in the early 80s, and this was being tried in the late 80s, um, it was about a, a computer. A company sold this businessman a product, and he filed suit because it wouldn't do what they told him that it would do. And so there was a misrepresentation, so they filed a lawsuit, and it had been wrangling around for about five, six, seven years and uh, it's going to be a lot of, lot of cost to pay whichever side lost for the, the, the court cost and the, the lawyer's fees, the legal fees. And so we're sitting there, and I'm listening to this thing, and then the judge gives these instructions at the end when he sends the 12 of us back into the room to deliberate. He says, now you argue and you debate and you decide based on the facts presented in this case, and you may not present any other facts just the facts that are presented in this case, and then you give us a, you give us a, a verdict and rendering. Well, one of the things that became clear to me, uh, my dad was actually, there wasn't, this was way back in the dark ages, so there wasn't an IBM standard, there wasn't Microsoft Windows, there wasn't DOS, there was these different computer companies, and I actually, my dad had started a computer business and put all his chips in with the best computer that was available then, the only problem is IBM came along and this, this company, it, it just lost everything. So I knew that the, the commitment, because my dad had told me about the different strengths of computers. He said, I knew that that computer that this guy had bought, he was lied to. It was actually misrepresented. But I couldn't tell everybody, hey, I know the truth about this computer system. Can you imagine me biting my lip while we're in there? So I had to say, listen, we've... We've got to make the right decision. And, and they were all upset. What the other lawyers did was they attacked this businessman's character. And the truth is, he was a bad businessman. He had made some bad decisions. He had lost a lot of money. He had some things that were going on. And so the jury gets in this jury room, and they're not deliberating. Some of you are going, where's this story going? I'm telling you where it's going. They weren't deliberating based on did this company lie to him or not. They began to deliberate, did this man deserve to be robbed or not? Is that not weird? Well, out of 12 people, there was one person that just kept saying, we need to look at what was assigned to us. And the issue was, do we agree with the facts presented that there was misrepresentation? And, and you don't know how hard that was for three days for me just to say every day, every hour of those three days of deliberation, this is what I think, feel, and believe. And anyway, the, after they lost the case, the lawyers on Saturday called me up and said, how did we lose that case? And I told them what had happened. They said, did you know we actually had an employee that gave a deposition, but this could not be permitted in court, who gave a deposition and said, yeah, we did lie to them. So I felt justified. I felt encouraged that I'd taken a stand. But it's, it's amazing when you can get Listen, Joshua and Caleb said, we don't care what everybody else's opinion is. We really believe that this is what's right, and we're not going to quit. We're not going to give in. We're not going to give up, and we're going to keep doing 
what it is that we believe of the Lord. And so that takes courage, amen? Especially in this day, there's things more important than court cases where we just have to decide, you know, even if I stand alone, even if no one stands with me, I'm going to do it with gentleness and respect, but I'm going to stand there and I'm going to speak and I'm going to do what the Lord has asked me to do. Then we need men of conviction, men of conviction. Look at verse 8 of chapter 14 in Joshua. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So again, it would have been easy for Caleb to give in to the pressure. The, the people of Israel actually, they wanted to avoid the struggles, the giants, the strongholds that were in the land that they were going to have to possess. They'd already made the declaration that the people that are in the land are pretty incredible oppositional forces, and, and they really believed that there's no way they could win. But Caleb was a man of conviction. He had placed his faith and trust in God. He knew that the Lord was stronger than any ad adversary that they would face, and he knew that God had promised them the land, so he was banking his, he was banking his future, his decisions in conviction on who the Lord is for him. And today, there's a temptation to set aside our convictions and to set aside what we think, feel, and believe and to compromise rather than being a people who are willing to differentiate. Say, no, this is what I think, feel, and believe. I'll let you think, feel, and believe what you want to, and I'm going to work to stay connected, but I'm not going to give up what I think, feel, and believe. I'll learn from you. I'll grow, but this is where I am right now. And we need men who will stand up on the word of God and they'll, they'll say, I don't believe that God's wanting me to change or wanting me to go this other direction. I've got a conviction here. And again, not in a prideful way and not in an overbearing way, but, you know, just to say, I think that this is the way I'm supposed to go or that we're supposed to go. Then we need, we need men and fathers in this day of confidence so look at verse 9. On that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So Caleb refused to doubt the promises and the word of the Lord. He refused to do that. He believed that one day he was going to have an inheritance no matter how difficult, no matter how long it took, and his faith remained strong in the Lord. He had confidence in the Lord. And he was confident in the word that his God had given to him. And so there's going to be difficult times as you and I make this journey called life. There are going to be times when our faith is tested. There's going to be times when we wonder if we're going to make it or if it's ever going to happen. We've got to continue to pour out our heart to the Lord and continue to put our confidence in the Lord and refuse to depend upon our own wisdom or our own timing or to make something happen that God has promised to us. And so we need to be a people who recognize that sometimes other people are going to let us down. Circumstances can bring disappointment or delay. Sometimes those things happen, but I'm going to make a choice to put my confidence in God not in my circumstances, not in what I see and understand, but I'm going to hold on to him and not let go. I love the, the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Many of them were willing to die in faith rather than give up their confidence in God. 
And they're a blessing to us. We stand on their shoulders of faith today. And so we need men who have confidence in God, in what God has said, and they'll partner with God no matter if it takes weeks, months, years, or decades. They won't sell out. They won't give up. They won't quit. Then we need men and fathers in this hour of determination. Look at verses 10 to 11. Men of determination. Now then, just as the Lord promised and has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert, so here I am today, 85 years old, and I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. So at 85 years of age, you get this determination, you get this intentionality, this intensity from, from Caleb, and he says, I'm going to possess my inheritance. God said it, and I'm holding on to him, and it's, it's taken now four and a half decades later, and he had no idea how long it was going to take, how long that would be. God, he, he brought Caleb through much adversity, even as he was growing older. And, you know, someone recently told me, they said, hey, getting older is not for wimps. I mean, even growing through older age and things that happen and change in our lives, he did not let go of his determination, his confidence in God. He overcame even the adversity of growing older. God had been faithful to him, bringing him this far. And Caleb was so close to his inheritance, he wasn't gonna give up. He wasn't going to quit. So we need men of determination in this day in which we live, who are committed to finishing the race, who realize that they need God each day, and that with God, nothing is impossible for them or their families or whatever calling he has on their lives. And they just determine this is not the day to quit. This is not the day to give up or give in. Our bodies may weaken with age, and we may be unable to accomplish many of the things that we once did, but we are invited to remain faithful to God, determined to possess what he has. We're going to be faithful to what God says until he calls us home. And I pray that we'll have people of this kind of determination in our day. And then we need men of desire. Verse 12, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised to me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. So many years before, Caleb had gone into the land. All the spies had gone in for 40 days. They'd gone throughout the different places. Caleb had actually come to the mountain of Hebron. He had come there and he had seen these Anakites and he had seen the fortified city. He had seen how strong of warriors that they were. And he said, this is going to be my place. I know the Lord's given it to me. And so he was gonna hold on with that passion, with that desire and he was going to inherit this place. And he never lost that desire. He never lost that passion for what he believed that the Lord spoke to him. And he wasn't going to settle for anything less. Now, at 85, he's going to go up and he's going to take the mountainous territory. And you know, if you're in a battle situation, those of you that have studied war and studied 
uh, maybe war games, the video games, you know that if you're down low, the people up high have an advantage over you, right? And so y'all know that. That's a principle of war. Everybody, you're with me? Yeah. And so Caleb says, I don't care if they've got the high ground. That's going to be my ground. And he's going to go take it. Isn't that a great attitude? He figures out with the Lord's help, we're going to take this place that he has promised to me. And then his whole life, he kept reminding himself of the vision God had given him that said, one day, this is going to be yours. What has God spoken to you about? What has God said to you? What are some of the promises that he's made? And you go, man, that's, that's some high ground. There, there's some strongholds around that. There's some, there's some enemies to fight through. I pray you'll have the determination like Caleb that says, yeah, isn't that great? I get to go take the hard place, the difficult place. Some of them are going, God, would you give me the easy place? And God said, I didn't make you to take the easy place. Aren't you excited? Well, Lord, why did you put me in this job? Why did you put me in this family? Why did you put me in this community? Why did you do? And God's going, because I love you. And because I trust what we can do together. And then our, our comment is like Moses. We begin to make excuses and say, God, would you please find somebody else? Lord, do you have plan B? And God's just looking at you and he's just smiling, isn't he? He's just smiling, and he's saying, I have a vision for you. And he says, I don't back down. I don't stop short. Isn't this fun? And he's inviting you to choose courage, to choose determination, and to have this desire and this passion. And uh, I, I'm just praying, I'm praying that we'll settle for nothing less than what God has promised. Nothing less. We need men with the desire of Caleb that'll not, be, they'll not settle for anything less, that they'll keep seeking the Lord and walking with the Lord daily so that they can be positioned to receive what God's going to give. You see, how am I going to possess my inheritance? I'm going to possess my inheritance by being faithful today, by walking with God today. If I walk with God today, he'll get me where he wants me to be tomorrow. That's my confidence in my God. And so I want to possess the mountain of God's goodness, his presence, I want to hold on to him even in the face of the obstacles that are ahead. So we need men of dependence upon the Lord. Look at verse 12b. It says, with the Lord helping me, I'm going to drive them out, just as he said. Again, 45 years earlier, he had been ready to possess his land by faith. And he knew that they were unable to take their possession. But he said, but with God, we can do this. He knew the task ahead was not going to be easy, that there was going to be a struggle, that there was going to be obstacles and opposition, but he said, with the Lord helping me or helping us, we can do what God has asked us to do. He knew God was able to provide. We need men in this hour who know that they need the help of God every single day and that they're depending upon God more than their own wisdom, more than their own abilities, more than their own experience. We have a difficult task ahead. We're going to be, we're actually going to be living through some days where we're going to see the dark getting really dark and the, the glory, the brightness getting really brighter. And we're going to see some things. I mean, in the past couple of years, we've seen our country lose its mind. We, we've just, we, we call good evil and evil good. 
And you know, if you'd have told me some of the things that have become law and just this is second nature to us, just a few months ago, I would, have, I would not have seen it coming. I mean, I know I've read about it in the scripture and I know it's possible, but it's just, listen, these days ahead, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to know there are giants in the land. I want you to know there are fortified cities. I want you to know there's enemy opposition to what God wants to do but he's going to work in us. He's going to do something in us. And with God helping us, we will endure till the end. And we will possess the land that he has for us. But that phrase, prepositional phrase, really key. With the Lord helping me. With the Lord helping us. Again, we're not trusting in our abilities, our experience, our wisdom. We're going to do this with partnership in the Lord's family and with one another, with the Lord helping us. And then finally, men of destiny, verse 13 and 14. Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephthah, and he gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephthah, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. So victory and reward did not come quickly or easily for Caleb. He had to serve the Lord faithfully for decades before he obtained his blessing. But in the end, Caleb would tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. He was faithful and committed to the Lord, and God honored his faithfulness. Caleb was rewarded because he wholly followed the Lord toward his destiny. So he had this thing that Pastor Steve has been preaching to us for several years now called a finishing spirit. Caleb received what all the others could have received if only they had had a finishing spirit. If they had seen the end, if they'd seen what God was going to do, and they and Jesus, it says of him in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, because of the, the joy set before him, the vision that he had, he was able to endure the cross, despising its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, we can declare honestly and openly, he has a finishing spirit. He finished what the Father gave him in his first coming, and he is at work now and will do it again. He's going to put things back together. We're going to be a part of that. And so we want to be faithful in this time frame. Listen, there's a continuity between now and eternity with our God. We need to be faithful now. We need to be faithful with the kingdom in the millennium. And then we want to be faithful for all eternity. Trillions and trillions of years. Our lives count. What we do right now counts. So let's have a picture and Paul says these light and momentary afflictions. And you know, we won't go into all the things he suffered. How did he perceive those as light and momentary? Well, it's what? A drop in the ocean compared to trillions of years with God? Perspective is everything. There's a friend that many of y'all know whose spouse endured incredible difficulty, a nationally famous person and and just unbelievable. And I was reading his testimony not too long ago, and they asked him, how, how have you made faithful to God? How have you avoided being bitter and, and, and turning your back on God? And he said, I'm telling you, God's given me a revelation of how short our lives are. This, this is just a snap of the fingers, just a moment compared to the goodness and the glory and everything that I've tasted of God, and it's worth it all, even right now, no matter what I have to go through. 
Isn't that a great testimony? I pray that we'll be people like that. We'll be people of destiny, and we'll walk in obedience to the Lord. And, and it'll, I tell you what, it'll make a difference for the people around you. It'll make a difference for your family, for the generations, to see people of destiny, people with a finishing spirit. And so our reward may not be immediate. We may have to persevere. We, we may have to wait, but our reward compared to what we've gone through is abundant and overflowing. I can assure you the inheritance that we will get is worth it all and everything we've experienced. So we need people of destiny who see the end from the beginning. They have a finishing spirit. So I know that this message, I've talked about men, I've talked about fathers but what is the Lord saying to each of us? Maybe there was a phrase, maybe there was a point to each of us in this room online. What is the Lord saying? What's gotten stirred up in us? What are we thinking? What are we feeling? What, what is God putting his finger on? Whether you're a father or a man, whatever you are and wherever you are, what is the Lord saying to you? What do others, when they look at your life, what do they observe about your life? They, Caleb had a testimony, didn't he? He had a reputation. The Lord talked about him. Other people talked about him. Joshua said, well, of course I'm going to give you the land because of who you are. Did you know people are looking at you and you're an example? You're an example for them and, and you're a person that you can actually impart courage or hope or strength just by them looking at you and watching and when our time on earth is through, well, we have left something of value behind. Rather than these momentary pleasures that we would grab a hold of, you know, sin is pleasurable for a moment, for a season, but it's not worth it. Selling our birthright isn't worth it. So I just invite you today to spend some time listening to the Lord and reflecting on what God is saying. Caleb enjoyed the inheritance that he had because of his relationship with God. The truth is, all of us are on a journey. We're headed somewhere. So I want us to possess the promises and the purposes and the plans and the prophetic words that God has given to us, both individually and corporately. And I'm praying that we'll recognize just how short life is and how significant it is and how important it is that in our lives count for today and for eternity with God helping us. And I just pray like we prayed during worship. I just, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is the day to say yes to Jesus. Listen, your life is more valuable than you can imagine. And so we've already talked about that. So I was going to spend some time in this, but that just, I really felt like the Lord is drawing people and, and saying, I don't want just your character. I want your life. And I want you to be with me, and I want you to watch what I can do. I can do in your life, in your family, in your community, wherever it is. So, Lord, we want to thank you for giving us examples in this church of godly men, godly fathers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the, the different spirit that we see in Joshua and Caleb. And, Lord, when, I, when people look at Calvary Community Church, I pray they'll see a whole army of people who have a different spirit, a people who are like Caleb and like Joshua, and whether it takes a few weeks, a few months, or a few decades, they won't quit, they won't give up, they won't give in, 
with you helping them. Lord, I want to be a part of that journey, and I want to be a part of this congregation that makes this journey. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.